transition There's things you need to hear So turn off your tears And listen Pain throws your hope to the ground Love turns the whole thing around No, it won't all go the way it should But I know the heart of life is good You know it's nothing new Bad news never has Together, everyone 
Good morning. Good morning. Uh, my name is Melissa Afolter, and, and my pronouns are she and her. I am a member of your Board of Trustees, and it's my pleasure to welcome you to worship with us this morning at the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Columbia. As we begin, we honor the Piscataway people and their ancestors. It is upon their land that we in Columbia reside. We are served by the Reverend Paige Getty, minister, as well as a talented and dedicated team of religious educators, musicians, and other professional staff. Much appreciation goes out to the many lay leaders and volunteers whose incredible efforts and dedication help to keep us connected. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, whomever you love, and whatever your faith tradition, you are welcome here. We particularly welcome any guests joining worship this morning. Uh, we encourage you to fill out the visitor form in the lobby or online and connect with others in the virtual or in-person social hour after the service so that we may meet and welcome you. And finally, for those attending worship in our sanctuary at the Owen Brown Interfaith Center this morning, uh, please take a moment to silence your cell phones and other electronic devices. Uh, we have a few announcements um, after service. We invite you to stop by the UU The Vote table to learn how you can support the latest Get Out The Vote postcard campaign for Georgia's Senate runoff. Help us turn our existing script inventory into cash for UUCC. We have many gift cards in stock that you could be using for holiday shopping, gifts, and celebrations. Visit the script table after service or email script at uucolumbia.net that's S-C-R-I-P at uucolumbia.net to place your discounted gift card order. Your UUCC Board of Trustees invites you to join them in expressing appreciation to our UUCC staff by contributing towards a holiday gift. If you would like to make a donation, you can contribute online on the Realm Giving page and leave the note, Staff Holiday Gift, in the memo. Checks can also be made to UUCC with staff holiday gift in the memo line. Please make your donations by Sunday, December 18th. We are grateful for your support and recognizing our amazing staff this holiday season. 
And a reminder that this evening we'll be hosting a Transgender Day of Remembrance service at 6 p.m., which you are invited to attend either in person or Zoom. In this reflective service, Reverend Page and UUCC members will honor the memory of those whose lives have been lost in acts of anti-transgender violence. And now we have an announcement from Michael Adcock, our Director of Music Ministry. Thanks, Melissa. Good morning, everyone. Coming up on December 3rd at 7 p.m., the Chalice Concert Series welcomes back the wonderful Patagonia Wins, who last performed for us back in 2016 before we moved into the current sanctuary. And we all recall them as an absolutely stellar ensemble. You might consider bringing the whole family to this one. It would be a rare opportunity to hear all of the instruments of a woodwind quintet, flute, clarinet, oboe, bassoon, and horn up close in a single concert. The quintet has selected a unique and interesting program of both newly commissioned jazzy pieces as well as contemporary works by composers of color. And for the second half of the program, I'm going to join them for some, I don't know how else to describe it, rompingly delightful <laughs> and fun short French pieces for woodwind quintet and piano. Tickets uh, either at the door or links available from the website. Hope to see you there. In a couple minutes, we'll sing a new beautiful and poignant opening song together as a congregation, which was written by Peggy Seeger, half-sis of Pete. You may remain seated, and the choir is going to sing it once through for you as an introduction. Then we'll invite you to join us for the repeat, and the words will be on the screen. But now I'd like to invite Jenny Bonilla forward for an announcement on behalf of the Endowment Board. Good morning. So what to UUCC is the UUCC Endowment Fund or the board? It is a mysterious and exciting fund that, no, no, it's not. It's not mysterious. And yes, it's definitely exciting. It's how we ensure that UUCC has a permanent source of financial capital for our future. Your endowment board, Julie, Scotty, Brian, Stuart, and I invite you to learn more through three upcoming tapestry posts about the fund and the board, or talk to us individually, or visit the Legacy and Giving Endowment page on the website. Thank you.
Good morning. My name is Paige Getty. I use the pronouns she, her, and hers, and it is my great joy to be with you today, to welcome those of you who are with us remotely and all of you who are here with us in the room. A couple more housekeeping notes that you didn't hear already. If you are here in the room and need some hearing assistance, there are hearing assist devices from the tech team in the sound booth, so please don't hesitate to ask them for those. You can follow along in an order of service. We're not printing many of those anymore, but you can look at it on your own mobile device by using this QR code that's on the screen. It's also available online for those of you who are um, at home. If you are a guest today, please remember the visitor's table or go online for the visitor form and fill that out so that we can stay in touch with you throughout the week. And for everyone, regardless of where you are, if you have a personal joy or sorrow that you would like to have honored during that sharing ritual at the end of the service, please email it to joysandsorrows at uucolumbia.net or write it in the Joys and Sorrows book that's in the back of the sanctuary. So on this day, when we anticipate Thursday's American holiday of Thanksgiving, as the whole winter holiday season gets underway in earnest, we're going to pause and consider some of the ways that our holiday observances are fraught. Sometimes they're fraught in personal and private ways, complicated families, loneliness and isolation, social pressure to spend money extravagantly. But there's also the fact of what we choose to designate as worthy of holiday observance. In this week's case, gratitude is absolutely worthy of overt, focused attention. And then there's this popular story behind the holiday's origin, a story that needs to be considered through a lens of reason and justice to be deconstructed and revealed for so much of the lie that it is. So today we're going to reflect on that tension. Also today, November 20th, is Transgender Day of Remembrance and Resilience, a day on which we remember and honor lives lost to anti-trans violence in the past year. On this particular morning, it feels especially poignant to have learned of the violent attack just last night at Club Q, which is a gay club in Colorado Springs, Colorado. As you heard from Melissa already at six o'clock this evening, we're going to hold a candlelight Vesper service here in this sanctuary and on Zoom. In that service, we will speak every name that we know. It's nearly 400 of them from around the world of those who were killed in the past year because they were transgender. As our service begins now, I invite you to take a centering breath and hear just these few lines from the Trans Day of Remembrance prayer that was written several years ago by Reverend Mr. Barb Grieve. In tonight's service, we'll hear the prayer in its entirety. This is a prayer for those who are now our ancestors. We pray you continue to guide us towards making a more just, more loving, more accepting world. 
It is in that spirit that today we worship. Will you rise now in body or in spirit? And we're going to join our voices in singing hymn number 1010, We Give Thanks. seated. Maggie, are you willing to come light the chalice? Please, thank you. Thanks, Maggie. This morning, we dedicate our flaming chalice, that universal symbol of Unitarian Universalism that's being lit in sanctuaries all over the world today, with these words from Enfleshed, titled, On Gratitude. To pause and give thanks is to pay attention to the parts of living that bring delight, turn us from what destroys, and make life rich whatever else may also be. This practice of intentional remembering helps realign our perspective with the whole truth of our lives. When bitterness or fear or grief become the whole view, gratitude points us to the beauty also and the love anyway and the simple pleasures that surround. Our steady companion is life's complexities. We honor the sacred. We honor each other. We honor the earth and our creaturely companions when we remember this web of life that holds us, all its terrors, all its gifts. Gratitude paired with denial about all that calls for mending and repair will not satisfy for long.
but gratitude that is alive to all that is, a sibling of sorrow, cousin of rage, so aware of the ache and the loss and the injustice, but still seeing cause to pray? Thank you, thank you, thank you. That is to feast on the nourishment of God. Will you rise again in body or spirit as we join our voices, not in song this time, but in speaking together the words of our covenant, these promises that we make with one another and to one another. Strengthened by our common humanity and inspired by our seven principles, we promise to be a safe and welcoming community, to nurture each other's hearts and spirits, to delight in the beauty of our diversity, to struggle together on our spiritual journeys, and to challenge each other to live our values. Thus, we pledge our time and vigor to the continuing celebration of spirit, of the world, and of humankind. And before you take your seats, will you please turn to one another and gently greet your neighbors? Good morning. We're gently annoyed the children now. Things with chairs and desks and whatnot. Good. Anyone's decided that they're going, you know, anyone who hasn't already decided that scholarship is important to them is going to now suddenly scholarship is important to them, but they're not trying to. These come to a new status quo. Very well banged into. All right, good morning, everybody. Hi, my name is Valerie Shu. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm very honored to serve as the executive director of this congregation. And today, I wanted to chat with some of the kiddos in this room, or kids, or however you identify. So if you want to come down here and sit on the floor, we're gonna have a little conversation. Hi, Ace. Hello. Hello, hi, Maggie. Hi, Steven. Hi, Lily. And I see some more coming in. Excellent. Well, it's good to see you all. Yeah. Oh. Hi. All right, so we're all coming down this way. I wanted to ask you all, can you, can you think in your brain about a big day in your life recently? Maybe the first day of school or, you know, if, if you re maybe the day that your little sibling was born, if you remember that, like a big day. Can you think about what feelings you were feeling that day? Like, let's pretend the first day of school. Maggie, how did you feel on the first day of school? Um, kind of nervous, but also excited, because I had already met my teacher and knew, like, 23 out of, like, 22 out of 24 of my classmates. Okay. So. Yeah, so nervous and excited, and excited to see people and your friends and the classmates you knew. 
Anybody else? Um, Julian, do you remember how you felt on the first day of school? Mm, mostly excited and Mostly excited? Yeah. yeah, okay. So I'm hearing like what Maggie said, a mixture of feelings, right? Nervous and excited. Sometimes I feel lots of feelings at the same time. Have you ever felt that way? Like sometimes you feel happy and you feel really lucky to get to be spending time with your, I feel lucky to be spending time with my sisters, but then they get really annoying. So I feel <laughs> happy and frustrated at the same time. Does that sound familiar? Like so many feelings, right? We like to call those, there's a word for it, there's a term for that. We call those mixed up feelings. So mixed up feelings is when you are feeling all of these multiple feelings at the same time and it's part of being human. There was a line in the poem that Reverend Page just read that was about our steady companion is the complexities of life, right? Being human means having lots of complicated feelings. So I'm going to describe, I'm going to say some imaginary situations. And can you think about what mixed up feelings you might be feeling during those imaginary situations. So like put yourself in these situations. Let's pretend that you just scored a goal in your soccer game, but because you had to be at the game, you missed your friend's birthday party. What are some of those feelings you might feel? Ace? I'm really excited but also sad. Excited and sad, right? So those are mixed up feelings. Let's try another situation. Let's pretend Ooh, you got to eat your favorite ice cream after dinner today. Yeah. But your cat is feeling sick and doesn't want to play. So what feelings might you feel? Lily? I'd feel nice that I, had the, that I got to eat the ice cream. I'd feel guilty that my cat doesn't want to have something nice too. Yeah, so nice and guilty. You feel like you have all this privilege and this, yeah, and your cat doesn't get to experience it. So lots of complicated feelings. So what happens when you have mixed up feelings? Do you try to get rid of the feelings you don't like or, and only hold on to the ones that you do like? Do we try to ignore the feelings we don't like to feel? I see some head shaking and some head nodding. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's hard to know what to do when you have mixed up feelings. I have an idea for us, though. What if instead of trying to get rid of the feelings that we don't like, what if we just decided to give the feelings names? and decided to give them a name and then tell somebody about them. So like when Lily is feeling guilty and nice and sad that, you know, ice cream and cat is sick and all these things, what if, Lily, you said to your parent, hey, I'm feeling mixed up feelings. I feel guilty and lucky at the same time, right? What if you turned to your friend and said, hey, I'm feeling mixed up feelings right now. I feel frustrated and angry, but also really happy to be here. Could we practice something like that? Um, so let's, let's come up with a situation. Okay, let's, let's do the, the soccer game situation, okay? So think about that soccer game situation. You missed your best friend's birthday, but you scored the big goal. Can we, can somebody here come up with the thing you might say to somebody to practice saying it out loud? Anybody feel like giving it a try? Steven, do you want to practice it? No? Do you go for it? Do you want to try saying it? Maybe you have mixed up feelings? You're not okay. Yeah. 
Feelings are hard to talk about sometimes. So can we all practice in the room? Can you turn to the person next to you and say what you might say if you are having those mixed up feelings? All right. So have we all said our mixed up feelings? We're still saying our mixed up feelings? Alrighty, so I... Have we said our mixed up feelings? Okay, Ann Wing has said her mixed up feelings. Okay, but we're... Can we try another one? So here's another practice one. Let's pretend that you feel really happy to be celebrating Thanksgiving with your family because you love your family, but you are confused and sad because Thanksgiving has a complicated history and you don't fully understand it and you really don't know what to do about this complicated history that you're learning about and there's just like so much to it and you just don't know what to do. Can we practice saying your mixed up feelings to the person next to you with that? to you to tell somebody your mixed up feelings just now does somebody have any how did it feel to share about your mixed up feelings it felt good it felt relief okay any other feelings those of you who practice up here did you how how did you feel felt so, yeah you just like let go of something negative yeah let go so relief yeah so this is just an idea. Maybe the next time you feel mixed up feelings, let's just call them by name and tell somebody. And maybe that helps let go of them a little bit and helps make them real. And it helps the person you're talking to know that they're not alone either. Because how many people in this room have ever felt mixed up feelings? Yeah, can we look around? This is like everybody. So when you do it, you're telling them you're not alone. And here's an example of something you can do about it. So that's, the call. that's it. Are you guys ready to go hang out with Miss Kelly today? Yeah. All right. Thank you for being here and talking about our mixed up feelings together with me. Declaration, not of independence, by Ralph Salisbury, for my mother and father. Apparently, I'm mom's immaculately conceived Irish-American son because Social Security time come, my Cherokee dad could not prove he'd been born. He could pay taxes, though, financing troops who'd conquered our land and could go to jail the time he had to shoot or die by a Caucasian attacker's knife. 
eluding recreational killers, calendars, enforcers, while hunting my family's food. I thought what the hunted think, so that I ate not only meat, but the days of wild animals fed by the days of seeds. Themselves eating Earth's aeons of lives, fed by the sun, rising and falling as quail hurtling through the sky. Fell from gunpowder, come as the first Americans came from Asia. Explosions in cannon, I have an English name, a German Chilean American wife, and could live a white life. But with this hand with which I write, I dug my 16th summer, a winter supply of yams out of hard battlefield clay dug for my father's mother who, abandoned by her husband, raised alone a mixed blood family and raised her tongue spading air, ancestors, a winter's supply or more.
Thank you for the introduction to these new pieces today. So earlier in the fall, I delivered a sermon that was inspired by the admonition that what we pay attention to grows. It's one of the principles of Adrian Marie Brown's emergent strategy. And I think of this principle a lot, especially when considering where resources need to go. Where do I focus my attention when it comes to time and energy and money? Do I invest in people and in relationships, in innovation? Do I focus on what I need to maintain my own comfort, which is often a kind of status quo? Do I give mental attention more to what's healthy and functional and life-giving? Or do I focus more of my attention on what's going wrong? What you pay attention to grows. And there are those among us, I expect to encounter some of them myself this week, who will say, right, what you pay attention to grows. Therefore, we ought to focus on the positive, on the positive aspect of this week's holiday in particular, not on all of its regrettable history. Focus on giving thanks, on being with loved ones, on sharing meals, on celebrating togetherness without the pressure of exchanging gifts. With some frequency, I hear that this holiday is a favorite for all of those reasons. Justifiably so. But what is lost if we don't also give our attention to the true history of this holiday's origins? If we, especially we who are white, uncritically accept the story that has been repeated by those with the most dominant power for centuries. What happens when we perpetuate a myth with our school children's pageants about a friendly shared meal between pilgrims and Indians? It might feel good to some, especially to those whose families have benefited from the story over generations, those of us who have the luxury to just give thanks. But in giving that myth our uncritical attention, we also perpetuate the damage that it has done. The damage it has done to those whose ancestors were killed by the so-called heroes of the story. The damage to those whose families were decimated by the smallpox that those pilgrims brought with them. The damage to those whose land was violently seized and colonized the damage to those whose descendants are still, centuries later, suffering from the effects of what those European colonizers did. Like the poet that we just heard from Jenny, Jenny, who said, apparently, I'm my mom's immaculately conceived Irish American son. Because social security time come, my Cherokee dad could not prove he'd been born. Years ago, I learned that when I feel surprised by a fact about someone else's experience of marginalization, I need to pause and pay attention and examine the privilege of my own ignorance. That was the case here. My Cherokee dad could not prove he'd been born. Oh, right, I thought, in my experience of the world, an acceptable, 
proof of birth, a birth certificate, is routinely available when I need it. Not so for everyone. Not so for those who for decades have been treated like other by the legal authorities of the United States, for example. And until recently, I confess with hesitation, but I'm going to do it, I had only a very vague notion of what the doctrine of discovery was, is. I knew of it generally as the justification for colonization, but I didn't realize quite how insidiously it still affects the world we live in. I did not know that this series of religious and legal proclamations from the 15th century was the basis of laws here in the United States that are still in effect. I still have a lot to learn, but I'm going to here thank Reverend Mike Johnson for her writings that have taught me at least a little bit more than I knew previously. For example, in 1452, a papal decree declared that the King of Portugal had the right to conquer any Muslim and pagan peoples and enslave them. A few years later, a second letter declared that all the Christian kings of Europe had the right to take the lands and possessions of any non-Christian people and keep them in perpetuity. This doctrine of discovery was later claimed by England in 1496, authorizing English explorers to seize any lands not already discovered by other Christian nations. The doctrine of discovery became the legal basis for the so-called discoveries of Columbus and others, and for the resulting attempts to conquer and colonize the Western Hemisphere, unleashing genocide on its peoples. It became the basis of U.S. Indian law beginning in 1823, when Chief Justice John Marshall ruled that Christian people who had discovered the lands of heathens had assumed the right of dominion, and thus had diminished the Indians' rights to complete sovereignty as independent nations. This decision has never been overturned. It is still cited on regular basis in federal court. Several religious denominations, including Unitarian Universalists a decade ago, have passed resolutions to repudiate the doctrine of discovery but as Reverend Johnson says, these resolutions are only a first step toward true reckoning with the history of stolen lands and stolen children. So except perhaps for the fact that I'm a woman, I am a model example of someone who benefits from dominant American culture. I'm white, cisgender, legally married to a man. I have a lot of formal education. I live in a two-income household. And it matters that I and many people like me are ignorant about the doctrine of discovery, about the fact that it's not merely historical, but is something that still impacts the lives of many of our fellow Americans. And if I sincerely believe the things I say I believe about justice and reconciliation and acting in the world to make it better for all, then I need to turn my attention toward those whose lives are negatively impacted by the stories we tell. 
what you pay attention to grows. Right now, in 2022, members of the Cherokee Nation are demanding that an 1835 treaty be honored because it never was. The Cherokee people were violently forced off their ancestral lands in the American South to make room for white settlers and were promised a non-voting seat in the U.S. House of Representatives that was never granted. It's no wonder that the fourth Thursday of November is observed as a national day of mourning. Since 1970, indigenous people and their allies have gathered at noon on Coles Hill in Plymouth to commemorate a national day of mourning on the US Thanksgiving holiday. It's a reminder of the genocide of millions of native people, the theft of native lands and the erasure of native cultures. National Day of Mourning is a day of remembrance and spiritual connection, they say, as well as a protest against the racism and oppression that indigenous people continue to experience worldwide. For those among us who will be gathering this week with friends or family for big meals, for giving of thanks, let's do be truly grateful for all that is our life. Let's celebrate connections and love and the bounty of the harvest. And let us be humble and attentive to the ways our celebrations might harm others if they perpetuate lies and misunderstandings. Let's talk with our children about the more complicated truths of our histories. Learn about the First Nations of this land and the indigenous peoples who reside among us. Let's not fall into arguments about what be, was morally okay in a different time. Let's instead tend to the justice that is needed right now in the face of the ongoing harm. Learn about the treaties that were approved by the US Congress, negotiated to honor the sovereignty of individual American Indian nations, Treaties that are broken treaties because in 1871, the US House of Representatives stopped honoring those. If you live here in Maryland and your ancestors are not native to this land, then learn more about the Piscataway Conway people whose 24,000 years of culture are the roots and backbone of what we call the DMV. They, the Piscataway Conway people, encourage others when talking to First Peoples to ask, ask questions about protocol and culture. Honor their leadership. Ask, don't assume what is needed. At the beginning of the service today, I shared the words from On Gratitude, from Enfleshed. They remind us that this practice of intentional remembering helps realign our perspective with the whole truth of our lives. I hope that these holidays that lie ahead of us will be full of intentional remembering, intentional gratitude, intentional acceptance of the whole truth of our lives. So may it be. Will you rise in body or in spirit?
we're going to again join our voices in singing, this time hymn number 128, For All That Is Our Life. It is our custom at least once a month to invite a member of the congregation to share about why they invest of their time and treasure in what we do together. And today it's my joy to welcome Ed Gaddy to the lectern. Wow, what a generous looking group. <laughs> This stewardship moment is actually awkward for me because I just enjoy giving. I took a course in happiness a while back, and in that course I was exposed to research that stated that givers were happier than Scrooges. I tried it out, and it worked. <laughs> giving actually makes me happier than buying a goodie. It seems like when I and the universe are in harmony, that selfishness and selflessness are the same thing. And UUCC is the best place ever for me to gift my available time and wealth. Because it is also the best place for me to offer, to receive kindness, to understand and be understood, to forgive and be forgiven, and to make connections with some wonderful people. And it's also a place to spread and get a little justice, equity, and compassion. So how does all of this work in practice? Uh, this morning I wrote a, a check, and as I wrote it, I was uh, thinking, well, it might do a little good 
I was grateful that I had a little bit of wealth to give, and I was grateful to be a member of UUCC. So now what happens, if I could ask uh, Roger to come up. Roger McIntyre, thank you. I put the check in the basket. <laughs> That's how it works in general. And that felt good. It really did. Thank you, Ed. Thank you, Raj. And now, as we receive the gift of Michael's music again, you also are encouraged to be generous with your gifts, either electronically through the instructions that will appear on the screen, or by visiting the basket in the back of the room, which you also may do on your way out of the sanctuary today. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Ed, for joining me again, this time at the chancel table. We are now going to hear the joys and sorrows that have been shared among the community this morning. And in addition to giving voice to these sorrows and joys, we are also going to place a pebble in a communal bowl of water 
honoring the ways that each individual story, each sorrow, each joy ripples out and is held by all of us and touches all of us in our caring community. Those of you who are here in the sanctuary, if you would like to honor your own joys and sorrows in silence, you may come forward during the music meditation. But first, thank you, Ed, for helping honor these that have been shared. Amen. Blessed be.
Will you please rise in body or in spirit to hear the words of benediction and then join voices again in singing. We will sing together deep peace. Words again from Enfleshed. We honor the sacred, we honor each other, we honor the earth and our creaturely companions when we remember this web of life that holds us, all its terrors, all its gifts. Amen. I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. 
Yeah. 